Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presents Fools for Christ with Kimmy Zeiler and Dan Boyd, a program that is seeking to lead young adults to Christ and to enkindle a deeper faith that is fully alive. Now, here are your hosts. Hi, I'm Dan Boyd. I'm Kimmy Zeiler. St. Ignatius of Loyola said, Out of gratitude and love for him, Jesus Christ, we should desire to be reckoned fools. We are seeking to discover Christ in everything, from the banal to the sublime, and this is Fools Fools for for Christ. Christ. Welcome to the show today, everybody. Our topic is praying with the saints, learning to pray like the saints, so hopefully we can one day become a saint. (laughs) Amen. Um, so when I was studying theology, I, I sought the guidance of a friend of ours, um, who's now a priest and we, I didn't know, I was afraid that I was going to like lose faith mm-hmm. while I was studying theology because so much of theology brought me into more of an analytical mindset, uh, kind of looking at theology as a science rather than as entering into the mystery of God. Right. And falling deeper in love with God. And I really wanted to remain in that place, falling in love with God. But um, I didn't quite know. I was afraid that I was going to lose that while I was starting to look at, um, at everything more analytically and more as a science. And so the advice he gave me was to pray with the spiritual classics, he called them. Um the books that the saints wrote and the ones that are pretty established yeah. um, as, as great biographies and um, forms of spirituality for our faith. So probably drawing a lot on the doctors of the church who yes. like, even though they include people who provide great doctrinal explanation for the, for the, for the church, there's also those among them who are simply masters of spirituality and without giving you a, a lengthy treatise on, let's say the Trinity, they give you the steps to, to fall deeply in love with the Lord and mm-hmm. really enter into that relationship in a way that I think most of us really like don't ever really think about how deep we could go there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was that the way you described that really resonates with me when I was getting my master's in theology, there were those times when, the the ciencia the like almost the obsession with knowledge mm-hmm. in theology and really the getting it's easy to get caught up in the minutia of of the of theology to the point where you forget the lord who is the object of your study i mean mm-hmm. i i got to think just about everybody studies theology because they love god yeah and they really just want to know him more but so often the way at least i've in the West, I think the East is probably a little different. The yeah. way that the Eastern mm-hmm. Church studies theology, I have heard the way like Europeans and Americans study theology is like a post mortem on a body, and mm. then we, we we obsess over little details. Whereas in the East, everything's an icon, and it draws them into, as you said, the mystery of the love of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, what the the saints and these spiritual classics help us do is go back to the mystery of God. And we can even, uh, we can take the object of our study. And even though it might be very technical, we can always go into a place of prayer and and find a way to walk with the Lord so that he can inform our studies. And Mm -hmm. that it's, uh, I mean, really the theology is 
faith seeking understanding and it's mm-hmm. trying to make sense out of the word of god literally making sense out of scripture so to do so prayerfully is to do so i would say joyfully and to uh, kind of tiptoe through some of those those traps of losing faith like you said um, so yeah. if any of you out there are in the study of theology right now and you ever find yourself kind of getting bogged down and worn out or almost feeling like you got a mouthful of dust um this is for you. This is why we, we thought of this is to yeah. give uh, a little bit of refreshment. What, or if your prayer life is just a little bit dry right now, whether you really, really want to go deeper and you don't know how, or you're you're trying to go deeper, but you're just getting a little worn out and you need some yeah. refresher. So uh, yeah, that's what today's all about. Classics yeah, the spiritual classics are the key yeah. to, um, they're a beautiful way to enter into another facet of spirituality to look at your relationship with God in a slightly different lens um, and to view to view God the way that each different saint did. Right. E- even if it's just for a moment, because that can then color your own relationship. Right. And you can experience God uh, more deeply in a, a different and new way. Yeah. So the, the first saint we're going to bring up is, I'm going to guess, so... I bet most people, they've heard of him, but they've never read him. So I will give you some hints. Let's see if you can guess who it is. He's Italian. He started an order. And I know you know who it is, Kimmy. I know, but I'm trying to wonder if I would guess it based on what you're saying. So he's Italian. He started an order. He was an attorney. He is known... Wait, I was thinking St. Francis until you said attorney. Yeah. No. He became a cardinal. And he's actually, his most famous writing is not on spirituality, it's on morality. So he was a moral theologian, and that's really what he's known for in the tradition of the church. Uh, But where I came across him was in his writings on prayer, and that is St. Alphonsus de Liguori. So he is probably in my, he's definitely in my top like, if I made a baseball team of saints, he would be on the team. Oh, if I made nice. a basketball team of saints, he'd probably be on the starting five. Mm. Um, wow. And there were two books that I, say, I devoured as a as a college student. And these were, by the way, short little plug. This is why you need to keep real books in your house and not just use Kindle. Because <laughs> your kids are going to, like, they're going to look through your bookshelves. And they're going to see things and say, I want to read that. I Like, I, I need to know that. And they're not going to browse through your Kindle library because like plain text on a black and white screen doesn't catch your eye. But when you see the passion and death of our Lord Jesus Christ in Lent, you might think, you know, I should probably read that or the Eucharist. And it's written by a saint and doctor of the church. You'll think like you're going to think I need to read that. So please, for the love of all that is good, get real books and put them on bookshelves so your kids can see them and take them down and read them. I mean, like, that's that's probably why I'm still Catholic. Like, the my mom and dad had a ton of books lying around. And even, like, now, as a as an adult, I go over to my mom and dad's house and it's like, sometimes I sneak them out and I don't want them to see that I'm taking them. Uh, oh, and for the sake of our listeners, uh, you guys weren't here when we were preparing, but I went over to my bookshelf and as we were talking about our our topic today praying with the saints i just started to pull off my bookshelf all the books i had written by saints yeah about a fifth of her books ended up on the desk and we had to, <laughs> we had to pare them down because um, we couldn't talk about all of them today no um so there's a couple images i want to propose and this is this is the type of spiritual writer saint alphonsus is 
and this is why I think he's easy for everybody. He's not giving you a, a cookbook mm-hmm. um, full of recipes. Um, it's almost like he gives you little appetizers. But the, the first image is he is like a tour guide walking you through a museum. Um, now, if museums aren't your thing, like don't stop there and, and check out. Um, but th- like imagine the most interesting man in the world, whether it's the guy from the commercial or not, giving you <laughs> a, a tour through something that you were already really interested in or you already yeah. really loved. Yeah. That's what he's doing. So especially mm-hmm. really with both those topics, the passion and the Eucharist, um, that once you, like imagine yourself walking through a museum and you see this one work of art and the guide points something out to you about that work. And you're like, oh, well, I never noticed that. Mm-hmm. And it could be a work you were you already really knew and loved. Yeah. Um, and it, in fact, like almost every piece in this museum would be of the same thing. It'd be of the Passion or the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. And he's just every one of those work of arts would works of art rather would be a different angle, uh, illuminating a certain different aspect. And they're both of these books. The reflections are so short. They're not like chapter books. I mean, this yeah. is the kind of thing you can read in two minutes. And you just sit there and you ponder. So it's mm. almost, he emulates scripture in the richness and the depth of what he writes and that you can really just go through it very slowly. And sometimes he'll just take like one phrase from scripture yeah. and give a little reflection on it. And these are, I think this is especially useful if you are, you're already praying, but you like, it's one of those days where you're having a hard time getting out of bed or really like getting on your knees and opening your book and getting started because mm-hmm. you just don't have the mental energy this can really give you that momentum because you start reading and it very naturally leads you into prayer. And so where I would say Mm. it, the place it takes me is, let's say I'm reading about the passion. He helps me to become aware of the presence of the Lord right then and there. So I can then, he's like, so the third image I'll present, I'm going to jump to the end of my lesson, then I'll go back to the second image. (laughs) He's like a a maitre d' at a restaurant. Okay. And that he's setting the the meal for you. He sets the table and then he gets out of the way. And what Mm. you're left with is something to ponder, something to to chew on, so to speak, and the Lord. And so Mm. you you sit and you you enter into conversation with the Lord about that topic. Um, And the final image is uh, a diamond. And he takes these these mysteries that have no end to them and he rotates it slightly. And you say, ah, I've never seen the light like that before. Mm. Um, And so it's, He's very practical. Like it doesn't, let's say, there's no barrier to entry with Alphonsus. You just, you, you open it up, you read two pages and you're good. It's not like you, you have to look at your watch and say like, I don't know if, to, if I have time to do this. Like you probably don't. Like you don't have time to read the whole book, but you got time to read a page. Yeah. You know, and if you don't finish it, that's fine. Because everything is like honeycomb. It's all sweet. Mm. So, um I would highly recommend Alphonsus to anybody, whether your prayer life is is on a high point or a low point. Um, can't go wrong with it. Yeah. Man, I you know, I haven't really read much of St. Alphonsus of Liguori. I know I've seen quotes from him, and I've probably read a meditation here or there from him, but I need to put him on my book list because he was not on my shelf. No. And like I said, probably not on most people's shelf. <laughs> and I think you can get that book for like $2.00 on like uh, abebooks.com or alibris.com. Sweet. We'll have to look that up. Yeah. Um, well, secondly, we are going to talk about St. Ignatius of Loyola, his spiritual exercises. So this is another spiritual classic. And um, 
you've probably heard of him, um, at the very least from us, yeah. <laughs> from previous podcasts and from our quote. <laughs> um, so we can't leave him out. But his spiritual exercises are the basis for most retreats and spiritual direction as we know it now. Um, he's just so practical. Uh, he, he talks about how to discern. And what I loved about this was, um, as I was going through uh, a time of very serious discernment, I had a spiritual director who loves St. Ignatius of Loyola. Um, he says he has three books by his bed. His Bible, his catechism, and his spiritual exercises. <laughs> and that they never fail him. Yeah. Uh, they never lead him astray. And so he he loves St. Ignatius of Loyola. I was so privileged. Um, but as I was going into this very serious time of discernment, of um, discerning my vocation, it came to a point where he was like, hey, now you just have to ask the Lord. And he handed me a copy of a couple pages from the spiritual exercises. And he said, just read the, you know, the literal translation from St. Ignatius. Like there's, you can't fail you. (laughs) It's very simple, very easy. And I was so surprised because the discernment was literally like, make a list of pros and cons. (laughs) Think about how you would advise someone else in this situation. It's a a fun way of kind of stepping out of yourself and looking at it objectively. Yeah. And then there was a deeper method of discernment after that. But that's how it started. It started very practical and very simple. And I just loved that. How, um, the simplicity of it. Yeah. I just, I think God is such a simple, we make things too complicated. And it's refreshing to like to get some direction. Like you, you, you say, okay, I want to take this spiritual thing seriously. It's it's nice to find something that makes it simple and doesn't make you know. It's not like advanced algebra to become a saint. Yeah, it's not advanced <laughs> algebra. Good because I would be failing. <laughs> um, I don't think I took advanced algebra. Most people wouldn't wouldn't like it all that much. <laughs> I took finite math in college. I was a theater major. So. Um, St. Ignatius Loyola, one of the great things he does is he actually explains what's happening in prayer, in a prayer experience. So he talks about the discernment of spirits, and he talks about the prayer of examine. And so he teaches you how to pray and what to look for as you're praying to guide you on your way. And we could do, we were saying we could do a whole podcast on this, and I remember that Jason and Rachel already did a whole series of podcasts on the spiritual exercises. So hop over to the School of Humanity podcast um, and and learn more about the discernment of spirits. But I do want to read to you the principle and foundation from St. Ignatius of Loyola because this was something on my first silent, uh, I think I spent five days in silence. Um, I ended up just staying with this. And sitting with this and praying with this for most of the five days. Wow. This is is not that long either. (laughs) No, it's not. I'm going to read the whole thing to you, okay? Okay. Um, So the principle and foundation. Man is created to praise, reverence, and serve God our Lord, and by this means to save his soul. 
and the other things on the face of the earth are created for man that they may help him in prosecuting the end for which he is created. From this it flows that man is to use them as much as they help him on to this end and ought to rid himself of them so far as they hinder him. For this it is necessary to make ourselves indifferent to all created things and all that is allowed to the choice of our free will and is not prohibited to it. So that on our part, we want not health rather than sickness, riches rather than poverty, honor rather than dishonor, long rather than short life, and so in all the rest, desiring and choosing only what is most conducive for us to the end for which we were created, which again, to praise, reverence, and serve our Lord God, and by this means to save his soul. So you were able to spend the better part of five days just praying with that. Yeah, and thinking about how it affects my life and how far I am from the indifference that he talks about. Um, and trying to then use that lens to look at the world around me. Yeah. What is it that's bringing me to God? And what is it that's taking me away from him? So that, that could, I mean, very easily and very quickly be a very fruitful way of identifying, like, what in your life is, is a hindrance and what is not. I mean, even, because it's going to be by degrees. You'll recognize those really, really big things quickly. And then you can start working on those. Mm-hmm. So it's, Let's say, I'll, I'll use like a crazy example. You have a, a substance abuse addiction. You're going to recognize that really quickly. <laughs> like you might, you might be on, not be on that retreat. You might be on that retreat. Maybe the retreat helps you recognize like, okay, you abuse alcohol. That will be the first thing to go. And you can mm-hmm. say, okay, I'm, I'm not at all indifferent for this. And this is preventing me from loving the Lord. And then as you incrementally draw closer and closer to the perfection of holiness, you'll see more and more of those little things that you're not indifferent to. Like, oh, wow, you really do love your, you know, cushy seat or whatever. And mm-hmm. you, like, that becomes a, a distraction from what's actually really important in life. Yeah. Or, I mean, any number of things. Well, and one of the things that this led me to was um, my use of makeup, of all things. So I was in theater, as I mentioned. And so when we applied makeup, we applied it to change our appearance. Right to change the contours of our face so that um, when you were viewed from off stage, the light hit you. So you're recreating the shadows on your face essentially with makeup. Um, And what that meant was you could really make yourself look like a different ethnicity. Um, uh, For one of my finals, I made myself look Asian um, just by changing the way my nose looked and um, the roundness of my face and and the color. and so it was all to change your appearance. Right. So it was always looking at what is it that needs to be different about the way I look. And I recognized that that was the way I was viewing my beauty and my worth. What is it that needs to change in order for me to be better? And so makeup became a hindrance to me. And so I just stopped wearing makeup <laughs> for a while um, and, and began to try to find the created good. So, um, yeah, so it's like there's a lot of different things that that can open up in your life, starting with the bigger things and then going into the smaller, simpler things. Right. And it, it kind of strikes me the way he uses that word indifferent. It's, that's probably not quite how we would use it today. I mean, we think someone's indifferent. They just, like, they don't care at all. 
Uh, and I think I heard this described once, is that the, the indifference that St. Ignatius describes is more a, a simple way of putting it would be to be at peace with whatever the Lord gives you. So if it's if it to be indifferent to a long life or a short life, like if that's what he calls mm. you to, that's what he calls you to. And that's not only for your benefit, but for the benefit of everybody else around you. And that's to help you be happy and to love him more. It's what you're made for. Um, yeah. I see indifference as getting your priorities straight. Right. Of having God be the first priority. Yeah. Letting him be the boss and the creator <laughs> and, and not making ourselves the creator. Um, well, I really do hope that we get an opportunity to speak more about him at length. But then again, I guess the, there's the other the other podcast. So yeah. go check out those. Yes. So our final saint yes. for the day, it would be, it's tough to imagine anybody coming up with a, a short list of saints who are influential <laughs> on prayer, no pun intended. This is the little flower, St. Therese of Lisieux. <sighs> So I actually, I have a... Um, Did you a, hear the crowd sound I made? Yeah, they, that was pretty good. Yeah, I think, or at least I think it was good to me. I'm not listening oh, okay. on the other end of a speaker. We'll have to listen but, after. Um, so I, I actually think my family's Catholic because of St. Therese. Really? Um, so my mom was raised Episcopal, and when she was a teenager, she found a book by St. Therese, The Story of a Soul, her autobiography, and read it. And as a result of that, became Catholic. Actually, all of her siblings became Catholic. And then she married my dad, but before they got married, said, I'm only marrying a Catholic guy. And so <laughs> it was, a, Therese led her to the church, and that led to my father's conversion, and then eight children who they raised in the faith later. I'm here talking about St. Therese on a podcast, That's you know, awesome. who knows how many years later. <laughs> um, so I have a, a special little connection with this saint. Mm. Um, I love her. Yeah, she's good, so... So I'm going to start by talking a little bit about three metaphors that she uses. And this kind of will bring us to a point of understanding her little way, and then Danny can take it from there. Um, So the first image is that of an elevator. So she says at one point, she has an autobiography, her um, reverend mother, her superior, asked her to write her own biography at one point. Um, And so we have that. And it's just a beautiful work. Um, it's called A Story of a Soul. The Story of a Soul. Um, and so she says that there, she was facing the mountain of sainthood. And she was just overwhelmed by how great that trek would be to walk up that mountain of sainthood. And she feared that she would never reach the top. And not only fearing that she could never reach the top, she knew that she was physically incapable of walking up that mountain. Right, like being a martyr or something she didn't think was in her DNA. Yeah. And so um, she knew that heaven needed both great souls and little souls. Um, she called the, the great souls roses and the little souls the wildflowers, the daisies, yeah. the, the smaller flowers. And so when she was reading Isaiah, she understood that um, being lifted up in the Father's arms was her ticket up that mountain. And so she said that she found the elevator, (laughs) the elevator up the mountain. So rather than walking that trek, she found a hidden elevator. And that the elevator which must raise me to heaven is your arms, O Lord. Your arms, O Jesus. And so I just think it's so beautiful. It's like facing this huge mountain 
that you can never climb. Um, she has the audacity <laughs> to seek another way. Yeah. Like, Lord, what you gave me wasn't good enough, so give me something else. <laughs> um, and I, I don't know that that was the, the mentality that she took. Right. But um, more of the humility of knowing, of being okay with being the obscure flower. And so that's the second, second metaphor. Okay. That she didn't, she knew she wasn't a rose. Yeah. She knew she wasn't the flower that everyone stopped to look at in the garden and that she was the small little weed you know that she was the wildflower um but she said that in order for jesus to pick the rose he had to stoop down to pick it right but in order to pick the wildflower he had to stoop even lower right and so that meant that it take took more love for him to bend lower to reach her so she and I guess any other little soul is kind of in her mind the recipient of even more love of the of the Lord who's like walking through the garden and says, okay, I love this soul this much and I like they need this much help, so to speak, to lift them up. Like mm-hmm. the rose is already closer, like they're already there. Mm-hmm. Whereas the wildflower, right, you're way, way down there. <laughs> you'll need you'll need more help. So it's available. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then it's, it's hard to struggle with that because it's what she's not saying that little souls receive more love. Right. Yeah. Um, but she does use a metaphor of a thimble. Um, so this is our, our third symbol. Um, so a thimble in a bucket. Um, so she said, once you reach heaven, your soul, your heart is, is filled to overflowing with the love of God. Right. But the question is whether you had opened up your heart to be as big as a thimble, to be filled up as much as a thimble or as much as a bucket. And so while we all receive as much as we are capable of receiving, it's um, how much did you open up your heart to the love of God in order to receive all that could be given to you? And that kind of that leads right into so that you could say the way of St. Therese is called the little way um, or another a, a way I heard it described before is the way of trust and love. Mm. And that I mean, Therese really sought to make her heart like that bucket to, to say, like, all right, I want to get to the top of that mountain of sainthood. I want to be there, but I'm afraid I can't. Like, I'm afraid I don't have what it takes. Um, so I'm just going to let the Lord do everything. I mean, it's almost, that's the, like this beautiful audacity, which is born not out of, out of presumption, but out of trust. And that mm. it's like, she recognized the great love of the father and said, all right, I'm, I feel like I'm far from him. I'm way down there. I need an elevator to get up to, to heaven. What's that elevator? The elevator is trust in the Lord. Those mm-hmm. are the arms of Jesus. And the, an image that came to mind is Therese is like a, a child who never leaves her father's side. It's like, you know, kind of wrapped around his lower leg like a little monkey. <laughs> and as such, is never far from the love of the father. Mm-hmm. And kind of the, one of the component parts of the little way is recognizing she couldn't be a martyr and she couldn't do great things and she wasn't going to be a great scholar. She resolved to do the littlest things for the Lord. 
and I think what sometimes we can we can set out to do that, and we think, okay, I'm gonna you know, I'm gonna make the coffee for the Lord, and I'm gonna clean up the puke for the Lord, or you know whatever <laughs> like the the little things that are hard, and you never get credit for. Yeah. But we can very easily get burnt out, and the reason is because we don't necessarily always have that perfect trust in the Father that she had, and so if you're if you're gonna take up a study of Therese, you're really taking up a study in trust mm-hmm. and what it means to trust the father and never wander far from him and that she was uh, she never worried that he was mad that he rejected her that she was not good enough she simply knew she wasn't good enough I mean, it was always like the little child with yeah. a scraped knee who runs directly to mommy or daddy and says like mm-hmm. heal this for me please knowing like the, the child doesn't even stop to ask are they going to be mad at me that I scraped my knee? No, they just go yeah. because they need it. And she somehow f- found a way of never forgetting that. And I think that's our that's our task is saying, like, okay, Lord, no matter what is going on inside of me, when I look upon the crucifix, I know I have nothing to fear. I can, yeah. I can always trust. Um, and I, if sometimes the, the language of story of a soul can be a slightly... Um, difficult for people to get into. And so uh, a quick book recommendation is by Father Jacques Philippe, The Way of Trust and Love. And he kind of puts mm-hmm. it in language that's, a, I would say, a little bit more accessible. But they're both both outstanding. Can't go wrong with the writing of the saint. Um, we also can't go wrong with staying on time for our show. So we got to end kind of quickly. Um, but thank you for joining us. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. We certainly did. God bless you all, and we will see you, or rather listen to you, talk with you next week. (laughs) Until next week, God bless. Bye. Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presented Fools for Christ with Kimmy Zeiler and Dan Boyd. Thank you for listening. Check out the podcast at faithfitradio.org and tune in next time. May you be blessed with peace and joy.